everyone and welcome to Nettie's Corner, a podcast about all things mental health and mental wellness. And for today's episode, I wanted to talk about the five love languages. Now, if you've been a fan of previous shows, um, Basic Latina, and have heard other episodes where I talk about love, you'll know that the love, the five love languages is something that I really stand behind and I'm excited for this Valentine's Day like I am for most Valentine's Days because I get to show the people that I care about how much I love them. And I know some of you are probably like, you know, you could do that all year. You could show people that you care about that you that you care about that you love them all year around. And I think that is correct, but um I think that Valentine's Day is a special opportunity for us to show people that we love them and what better way to show people that you love them is by showing them love in the way that they want to be shown. Now, the five language, five love languages is something that was adapted by Gary Chapman. Now, I'm going to take you through the five love languages, but first, I want to talk a little bit about Gary Chapman. He is an author and a talk show host. He what you know, is most noted for the five love languages, um, where he, which we're going to get into, he is also a pastor, and he was a counselor, a marriage and family counselor. Now, how Gary kind of developed um, the five love languages was through his research. He was a marriage counselor for a really long time, and what he saw was that a lot of couples after marriage were not connecting. The rate of divorce was super high, and people who were coming to him were basically not communicating. They were not you know, able to show the person that they loved that they loved them or they weren't showing the person that they loved um, love in a way that they want to be shown. So Gary ended up kind of figuring out that in order to properly love someone, you have to show them love in the, in the way that they want to be. Now, um, to break that down a little bit, you know, there's an old thing that says treat people how you um, would like to be treated, which is not the case in the five love languages. You want to treat people how they want to be treated. You and your partner or your friend or your parents, they want to be treated differently than probably you would treat them. So think about it like this. That's the first thing you need to think about is that you need to treat people the way they want to be treated. And how do you do that? Well, you simply just ask them. So first of all, Gary started with asking couples about what they were missing um, and compared it to how people in different countries speak different languages. He says that, you know, emotional love languages and the language of your spouse may be different, you know, from Chinese and English. No matter how hard you try to express love in English, if your spouse understands only Chinese, you will never understand how to love each other. So, if you and your partner are able to speak the same language, and that's different, but you and your partner most likely are speaking different languages. So he started thinking about, well, then there is, excuse me, there are five emotional love languages, five ways that people speak and understand emotional love. And we're going to get into what that looks like. So another concept that he kind of talks about is having your love tank full. Love is one of the most important words in the English language, and sometimes it could be the most, you know, the most confusing one as well. Because again, we struggle with showing people love and being able to receive love in different ways, you know, based on our trauma and based on our experiences as well. We love animals, we love people, um, and we fall in love with love. 
Now with the five love languages, it allows us to look at whether our love tank um, is empty or full or where it is. Um, the emotional need for love is something that goes back to when you're a childhood. It took, goes back to when you're a child, in your childhood. Think about when you're first born or if you have kids. The primary thing that all children want is love. That's their primary language. That's the language that they speak. They can't talk before they can talk or before they were to express themselves. They cry, they whine because they need your love and they need affection from you. So it dates back to that and that that is a primary love language. And then as we get older, we end up being able to adhere to certain love languages based on the ones that he kind of adapted through his research. He believes that understanding the five love languages and learning to speak the primary love language of your spouse may radically affect his or her behavior. People behave differently when their emotional love tanks are full. So let's get into the five love languages. The five love, love languages, according to Gary Chapman, are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Now, reading that, you might believe, okay, you know, I already know which one is my love language. Be, you know, for example, um, I like sex, so my love language is going to be physical touch. Or I like gifts, so my love language is receiving gifts. That is true, or that may be true, but the only way to really know what your love language is is, is to take a love language quiz because a lot of different things are um, taken into you're taken into the fact of what your love language is. And that is the way that you receive love. So for example, is physical touch the way that you receive love? You like to be given love by getting touched, but your partner may want to receive love in a different way. So we're not talking about giving love, we're talking about um, how the person that you care about and how you receive love and the, and the point of being able to learn you, your spouses, and everyone around you what their love language is, is for us to fill up their emotional tank so they no longer feel empty, so they don't have to, you know, go see a counselor, so you're not, there's no fear of them stepping out on you or anything like that. The goal is here is for us to make sure that our love languages are filled. So let's go through the first one. Words of affirmation. So he says, um, for words of affirmation, verbal, verbal compliments are far greater motivators than nagging words. So say you are a person who often struggles with um, saying things positively. So um, you live with your partner and you're constantly finding ways to, to put them down. Like, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. I wish you could do this. I wish you could do that. So... That in itself is something that you could, that people struggle with and that can be really detrimental to your partner. But if your partner, if their, words of if their love language is words of affirmation, you constantly telling them like what they are not doing or all the negative things that they're doing or the ways that they are like fucking up at home and stuff like that, that's not going to fill up their cup. Their cup is, is going to completely dwindle after that. So you have to give verbal expressions of affirmation to your partner um, encouraging words means to inspire someone, um, make them feel secure. And you, as we know, security is something that we often really, really enjoy in our relationship. Um, 
Gary Chapman also says encourage encouragement requires empathy and seeing the world from your spouse's perspective. So not only do we learn that your spouse now words of affirmation is something that he or she really um, clings to, but also you need to be able to see things from their perspective. So you have to put your bias and all your all your feelings aside about what they're doing or not doing and be able to um, see, see the world from their eyes and have empathy. It requires kindness. You have to be able to use kind words and you have to have to be forgiving as well. So words of affirmations can also can be very, very difficult because um, it can already be something that you struggle with on a daily. Say you're somebody that have a, you have a hard time seeing things that are positive. This could be a real, real struggle, struggle for you. But saying positive things to your partner has a real, real um, huge impact in the way that we, that we uh, communicate. One, one example is that he sat down with a couple and um, they each kind of listed the things that um, the other person can, can say that's affirming. So, you know, saying like, she keeps the house clean and orderly. She helps with the kids. She cooks dinner. She teaches the kids well. She does their homework. So things that are positive and affirming. Um, a very simple uh, example for words of affirmation is also, you know, showing someone, encouraging someone when they do something. If you're wondering if words of affirmation is something that you like yourself, think about all the feedback that you've gotten. Do you like when people tell you that you're doing well? If that's the case, then words of affirmation might be your primary language. You'll hear me saying that um, primary or secondary because we have a primary love language and a secondary love language. Sometimes. Okay. In order to practice words of affirmation, you have to remind yourself that if words of affirmations is your spouse's primary love language, then you need to always think words are important. Words are important in order for it to set goals. Um, you have to be able to say, I love you to your partner. Um, maybe set a goal, giving your partner a different compliment um, each week. Compliment your spouse in the presence of friends and family. Look for your spouse's strengths. Um, email or text a note of affirming to your partner um, and thank them for the things that they do routinely. The second love language we'll cover is quality time. Now, quality time is a love language that is a little interesting because one thing that he talks about in the book is that quality time does not mean like sitting and watching television together, um, watching like Netflix or HBO or anything like that. It means sitting on the couch with the TV off and looking at each other and talking putting your devices away and giving each other undivided attention. Now, a lot of us are in relationships, or maybe we're not in relationships, but with, with the people that we love, we often share movies and films and all these things with them. So we might not always have the opportunity to sit down with them and just look at them without our devices because we're, we're hooked on our devices. But I'm going to give you an example. Like this morning, um, my partner and I, we just sat in bed after we woke up and we were just talking. You know, yes, I had a book in my hand. He had a phone in his hand. But one thing that we always do is that when we want, want to talk to each other, we put our devices down. Um, and when we're not talking, we might be looking at our phones. But when we are talking, we're completely engaged in um, talking to each other. Um, one thing you have to keep note, or at least Gary highlights, is that time is precious. Um, we have multiple demands and... Quality time is very important in a relationship, whether it's your love language or not. 
Um, I'm going to give you some examples. Okay, some things to keep in mind when it comes to quality time is focused attention. So, again, not being in the same room with the person, but actually talking to them. Um, for example, this also pertains to families as well. So, if you have a child and you're playing with them, they're not playing with their blocks while you're scrolling through Instagram. You're playing with blocks with them. You're actually spending time with them. You're responding to their cues. Um, quality conversation, like words of affirmation, the language of quality time also has many dialects. And it's quality conversations. He means quality conversations means a sympathetic dialogue where two individuals are sharing their experiences, thoughts, feelings, and desires in a friendly, uninterrupted context. So, for example, that means literally having a regular conversation with someone without things that um, are distracting. Uh, he says the difference between quality uh, time and words of affirmation is quality conversations focus on what we are hearing, not so much what we are saying. So we have to be tuned in as well. Um, learning to listen may be as difficult as learning a foreign language, but learning, but once we learn it, we must we will be able to communicate love effectively. Effectively. Some practical tips are main, maintaining eye contact with your spouse when they're talking. Um, listening to their feelings, asking them, you know, what emotion are you experiencing right now? Uh, reaffirming them, observing their love language and refusing to interrupt. Even though you want to interrupt them, literally stop yourself from doing that. Learning to talk, you know, learning, learning to talk to your partner is important when it comes to quality time too, because the way you guys communicate during that quality time is important. Um, what else? Quality activities are important with quality time. So if quality time to you means um, watching Netflix, that's fine. But what he's saying is that it requires quality activities may include putting in a garden, visiting a historical site, birding, going to a concert, working out together, having another couple over for, for homemade soup or bread or dinner or something like that. Um, the activities should be surrounded about things, should be surrounded around things that you guys both love. Um, if your spouse's love language is quality time, then he suggests asking your partner for a list of activities that they enjoy. Um, he also says that sending a photo to your partner when you're away is a good way. Um, think of a way, think of an activity that your partner enjoys, which brings pressure to the both of you and get them tickets or plan a weekend getaway for the two of you. Um, make time every day to share with each other. Okay. Receiving gifts is the next love language. Now, this one is interesting to me because I thought that, okay, well, who doesn't like receiving gifts? But there's actually people out there who really don't like receiving gifts. And receiving gifts is literally being able to receive the reminder of love. Some people, they their idea of love is getting something that they maybe said out, said out loud or receiving flowers from their partner. That is their token of love. And I know a lot of people give love by giving out flowers and candy and buying stuff, but th that might not be the, the way that you show love to your partner. Think about uh, J-Lo, the whole love doesn't cost a thing, and a whole bunch of other shows and movies that depict the man usually buying gifts for the woman. And the woman is just like, man, I just want your quality time. Like, why do you keep buying me stuff? I want to spend time with you. But he's buying her stuff because he's assuming, oh, well, she will, she will be fine. I just got her Tiffany's necklace. But that person was not listening to their spouse and not filling up their cup and not 
you know, being able to engage in their emotional love. So it is a, a reminder of love, but it has to be has to be something that your partner has to be, um, has to want as as well. People often who like receiving gifts, this is their visual symbol of love. Um, it is often most important to others that it is to most. Some ways to help your partner if they like to receive love by receiving gifts is being able to give them gifts for their anniversary, things like that. Um, if money is tight, um, being able to be creative, figuring out what is it that they like um, and giving them something that maybe you handmade. Um, if you want to be able, if you do have the money, then buying them a gift that they really enjoy, like clothes, perfume, things like that. Give your spouse a book and agree to read it together. And or gift give a gift to your spouse's favorite charity in honor of her birthday, or him her you know him or her's birthday anniversary or another occasion. Okay, the next one is acts of service. Now acts of service is actually my primary love language, and one is <laughs> my boyfriend says that this is slavery, <laughs> which is not funny, but um, he says it because I really like when people do stuff for me. And that is my love language. And it's my love language because I'm the kind of person that's been really independent all her life. And I have felt like I've had to do a lot for others. Um, I'm a social worker by trade. And I often feel like people are quote unquote not there for me or are quote unquote don't have enough help. So with my partner, I told them very early on that that's my love language. And my cup feels really full currently because... It's something we talked about when we first moved in and it's something that we've been working on. I'm still trying to figure out his love language, but he's been doing a great job of trying to make sure that I that, that part of my that my emotional cup is full because I really do get happy when somebody like mops the floor, sweeps, you know, if they take out the garbage, you know, do the dishes, like other other things like that. And some, you know, might some women like when their boyfriend takes them to go uh you know, wash their car or you know, pick up the kids. Or something like that. It really, really depends. So basically, acts of service is everything I just talked about. Cooking a meal, setting up a table, emptying a dishwasher, vacuuming, changing the baby's diaper, picking up a prescription, keeping the car in order, paying the bills, walking a dog, you know, dealing with the landlord, anything like that. Any necessities that don't require a lot of time, but that can mean a lot for someone. Um, if you're, I would recommend that if your partner... If this seems to make them happy, ask them. Like, hey, you seem to be really happy after I, like, picked up the kids, got them dressed, made dinner, and cleaned up the house. Like, yeah, can you do that more often? Okay, is that a way that, you know, you would know that I, I love you or, or that, I, uh, that I appreciate you? Yeah, yeah, that is. Okay, so that's going to be really, really important. And Gary co-signs by saying um, that you want to be able to, to have a conversation with your partner one thing that he highlights is that no one likes to be forced to do anything. Love is always freely given. So you have to have a conversation with your partner about what is go that's going to look like. So some people don't like doing all those little tasks. Um, but if you have a conversation with your partner about what that looks like for you, so maybe it's, okay, can you make sure that you have the, the dishes done so I can cook dinner? Can you make sure that when the when the garbage is full that you take it out? Like to me, that doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like a conversation you need to have. But 
if you have a partner that perhaps doesn't like doing that kind of stuff, but you know that that's something that you need, you have to communicate with them. Communication is so key. Um, if you have someone who acts of service is their primary love language, consider serving their, the, the person or the person that they love. That might be something that they would really appreciate. So maybe going to their parents' house and, you know, um, uh, how do you say it? Shovel the snow or vacuuming, asking something like that. You know, asking your spouse to make a list of the things that he or she would like to do in the next month. Um, while your spouse is away, do something nice for them, like get the children together, um, cook, clean, things like that. And I know it sounds like I'm really emphasizing, emphasizing like cooking and cleaning and kids stuff, but this is really what it is. Acts of service really is simply just doing stuff for your partner that they may not like to do. The last love language that I'd like to talk about is physical touch. Now, physical touch is something that I touched upon in the beginning of the episode. Um, Gary Chapman talks lengthy about physical touch, saying, you know, research shows that physical touch is a way of communicating emotional love. It goes back to when you're a baby. You know, babies who are held, stroke, kissed, develop a healthier emotional life than those who are left for long periods of time without physical touch. Even in... Um, Maslow's, I think I'm saying his name wrong, Maslow's hierarchy of need. Um, in the bottom, like right, right above a, a basic needs like food, water, and housing, right above that, it's emotional need, physical touch, being loved, and things like that. So physical touch is a really powerful way of communicating that you care about somebody, holding hands, kissing, embracing, physical um, intercourse. So it's definitely something that all of us need. Um, it's part of our human nature. We reproduce. We need to have sex. You know, we have to do all these things in order to feel full. But some people, that's their primary love language. Like, you know, there's some people who like don't like to be touched. And just as much, there's people who like love to be touched. And if that's the person, if that's the person you're dating, then there's a couple things that you need to know. There are actually a lot of things to consider when it comes to physical touch. Um, one of the biggest things is knowing how your partner likes to be touched and knowing whether or not this is the, their primary love language. There's a lot of issues with obviously like consent, um, doing things that your partner likes or doesn't like, you know, there's people who are like into like BDSM and like, um, which is like bondage. Uh, there's people who are like subs and doms and there's all this like world of people who like, like a certain kind of like sex and physical interaction. And there's other people who just want like a light touch. So it requires a lot of communication um, and, you know, touching new places and things like that. So he kind of highlights ways that you can discover whether or not physical touch is your primary language. Um, it really has to, you know, you have to use your imagination. You have to think about what your partner, um, how they want to be touched. He says that one of the prime, if your primary love language is physical touch, then you need to make sure that you're holding your partner also when he or she is crying or when they're upset. It's not just a sexual touch, but a physical touch when they are telling you something important or when they're upset. Um, that is also important. If your partner is someone who physical touch is important to them, then you need to figure out how often they... Is that something like, you know, is PDA something that's important to them? Um is kissing something important to them. You have to figure out what kinds of physical touch is important. 
Um, if your partner, if this is their, their primary love language, doing, you know, little things with them is going to be important. So sitting together, um, maybe at church with them, initiating sex when you are like, you know, giving them a foot massage or something like that. Um, touch your partner like in the arms or like hands and things like that when they're in the presence of family and friends. Hug them, put your arms around them. Being able to send them reassuring things uh, will definitely definitely help. In order to really discover the primary love languages, like I've told you, the best way is to go on the website, um, look up the five love languages, and the first thing that's going to pop up is the book um, in Gary Chapman, and you could take the quiz online. And most people will have a primary and then a secondary. And again, the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, an act of service, and physical touch. And the primary goal is to figure out what is that your most what is that your partner most desires? What makes them feel loved above all else? Your partner may have an idea of what their love language is, and if that's the if that's the case, have them take the quiz. Uh, I'm getting most of my information from the love languages book. It says the love language is a secret to love that lasts. And this necessarily doesn't have to be something that you read when you're in a relationship. I actually read the five love languages when I was single, um, probably four years ago, I read it. Um, and it allowed me to really know the kind of woman that I am. Um, I think it makes sense to read it when you're single because... If you get into a relationship, then you can kind of let the person know from the beginning. Um, not knowing your love language when you're dating somebody and not being able to communicate that is very, very detrimental. I've experienced it um, not just with romantic relationships, with like friendships as well. Um, I always joke about this, but you know, nowadays nobody likes to talk on the phone. Everyone likes to text. That is a love language. Um, being able to send me a quick text, like a hey, a good morning text. That's that's a way of showing somebody you love them. Some people like that. Um, calling somebody, you know, on Sundays. That might be your love language. That might be the way that you like people to show you love. Or somebody cooking you a meal or something like that. There's different ways. And the five categories are just like the main categories, just from Gary Chapman's list. But I implore you this Valentine's Day and for the year to come, Make it a point this year to really learn what your primary love language is and to learn what your partners and the people around you, what their love language is. Because the one thing that is consistent and that love really does make the world go around. If you meet somebody who has no love in their life, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Then you know that they are really miserable. They're usually very, very unhappy. Um, their life seems bleak and they go to a negative space. But be around somebody who's full of love, A, who gives love and who feels loved. And that type of feeling is, is on a whole nother level. So if you get a chance, please remember to show the people that you care, that you love them. Do it appropriately by figuring out what their love language is. If you're not a reader, then I would recommend that you go to the Five, Lung, five Love Languages website. Um, do a quick Google search. Figure out what the love language is. They have tips and you can also sign up for their newsletter where they give you information on what to do if your partner has that primary love language and what to do for yourself. Not everyone is in a relationship. Um, so this may, so you might not feel like it applies to you. But again, I started researching this when I was single. And if you have kids or you have anyone in your life, 
parents, uh, friends, they all have love languages too. Everyone has their love language. And most of the, all of these love languages, none of them are really romantically linked. I talked about the romantic piece because obviously I'm in a relationship. So that's the one that I could really talk about. Um, and also Valentine's Day is coming up and I wanted to focus on that. But there's ways to apply this to your friends and family. Um, one thing that a lot of people are doing for Valentine's Day as well is focusing on self-care. I think it's a beautiful form of self-care to be able to sit down and figure out what kind of person that you are and the things that you may need. Um, again, it goes back to what I said in the beginning. Treat people how they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated. With that being said, I hope you guys really enjoy your Valentine's Day. Um, I hope you take February to spend some time with yourself. Do something nice to yourself, for yourself. Be around people who care about you. And you know what? But buy your own goddamn flowers, okay? Um, I can't wait to talk to you guys again. Make sure to follow the podcast. Um, most of you know by now that I don't have a podcast Instagram anymore like I did before. So please follow, follow my personal page. It's really netty, N-E-T-T-Y, just like Nettie's Corner. That is my personal Instagram. That's where all of the information for the podcast will be listed. Currently right now, we're on all streaming platforms. I believe except for SoundCloud. But Google Podcasts, Anchor, uh, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you rate and review and subscribe, people will be able to find the podcast more often. If you have any questions or concerns or you want anything that you want me to talk about, don't re hesitate to reach out to me. Um, direct message is better, and that's on Instagram. Well, you guys have a great one. Talk to you soon. Stay well and take care.